This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pods to attract and retain real A players. Join us for the next hour where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Welcome back to another episode of the Blue Collar Culture Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan England, and I am here with Jeremy McLiver. Welcome back, everyone. We're actually going to have a, a pretty interesting conversation today talking about human behavior. We're going to learn a little bit about some personalities, but in particular, our guest today is an expert uh, in sales and marketing and also crisis management, which you might be able to relate to a little bit given current situation. His clients are in almost every industry. He does a lot in insurance, legal, healthcare, technology, and he works in particularly with smaller businesses. In fact, that's one of his focus, especially when the family is involved. Jason Cup, I want to welcome you to the show today. Ryan Jeremy, very excited to be with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So what is one of the biggest myths about your industry? Well, I guess the first thing we have to do is define what industry I'm in. So most people would call me a management consultant, which I think inserts a whole bunch of different thoughts and emotions into it. So if if we agree that I'm a management consultant, which sometimes I question that myself, I would say that the biggest myth would be is that we're a lot of talk and not a lot of action, meaning we come up with these really, really, really big ideas, but we have no way to put those into play where they make an actionable difference in the business and hopefully an actionable difference in the business almost immediately. Um, with that in mind, one of the things that I've always said since I've been in this industry, which is knocking on 15 years now, crazy, that, uh, that I always wanted to work with clients who would do what they say and say what they do so that we would be able to move the ball down the field together and be able to hit that attainable goal of success as we walked through whatever outline it was that we were trying to resolve or take opportunity in in the business. It's great. So I could, I definitely, you know, we kind of fall in the same genres again. And when I'm clicking the button and you're doing something that you have to say, oh, what, uh, what job title are you? I almost cringe to say anything in the consulting arena because too much of it is... <laughs> do you i'm like i don't want to click that now nah, i'm just gonna be i don't know what janitor um they get more done right um but when we're talking about creating action and i've known you for quite a few years now and mm -hmm. i definitely have seen you take lots of different tools into the team really look at how you build that team how you structure it um so that they can all take action together in a more scientific way of, I, I'm, I'm allowed to say that. So I know you have some some tools that you use there. Want to share some of that with us? Sure. I think the first step with working with the team, and that team can be a team of two, by the way. Um, I have clients that have just a handful of employees, and I've got clients with hundreds of employees, um, but, but really focus on that small business, um, as Ryan said in the intro. I, I think the first step is is really to understand uh, where the team is um, from a culture assessment. That's one of the things that I think is really important. What are their viewpoints? What do they think about the business? What do they think about their job? What's their story to get to where they are? I think you have to start with those levels of facts. Once you know what the culture is of the business and the people inside the business, then I think that we need to look at it from a cohesive and collaborative standpoint. And uh, co cohesive mean, or collaborative means that we work together to understand what the goals are going to be. 
And then cohesive means that we um, that we're, we're we're a united front. That meaning everybody on the team understands the direction that we're going, how we're going to get there, the steps necessary, and their part in it. The third piece is, is is what individual aspects come into the way that we go about creating action. And that's really where I love and have for the last almost um, 15 years of my life used a tool called the Colby A Index. And the Colby A Index, um, as you both are aware, because uh, you've both taken the Colby A Index, Colby A Index uh, in, in, a, in, in, a, in a nutshell identifies the natural instincts that are hardwired into an individual. It's not personality. It's not knowledge. It's literally the way that someone is going to naturally go about completing tasks, working through adversity, um, researching things, organizing things, and uh, dealing with communication and, and the way that they're going to accomplish that task alongside possibly others or individually. And the Colby A Index is, is really foundational to what, what we have found when we, when we go through all these steps to work with businesses and try to get that team all on the same page. I remember the first time that you and I met, it was at a Starbucks you were working with uh, a mutual client. We won't share the story after that. Uh, you can all call me if you're listening to this and ask what that short story is, but Jason knows what I'm talking about. Um, but I, I sure walked do. up to you, I walked up to you and I, uh, and the, the other guy was sitting there whose name was Jason too. You two are sitting there at the Starbucks. I walked up and you said, uh, Hey, how are you doing? We introduced, exchanged names, and you said, uh, what's your Colby? And I, I gave you it. It's a 3393. And he said, so what do you do for a living? And I shared that I was running operations uh, for a structural steel company. And I remember the look that you just, your, your eyebrow raised like, what? This isn't making sense to me. Like, rrr, rrr, these numbers and this job title don't go. And he said, how's that working? I don't know something about the way you looked at me, the way you asked it. It was like uh, my cover was blown. And I looked at you and said, it's not. I hate it. I'm so wore out when I go home. I, and I'm just looking at my, like, mm -hmm. looking over my friend like, you can't tell none of this. Oh, I'm ready to go crazy. And you started digging into it and, and taking, helping me to take action really helped me to get to the point that I am at now where I do feel like what I do is aligned with who I am. So definitely appreciate that. And uh, so I know that you, yeah, it, was a, it was a fun time. If I, go I was, was going to say it was a, it was a fun time. And it was a good story, but what I might share, because I think there's another part to that story that you might not know just what was, what was um, wrestling around in my mind as you were telling me um, what your job responsibilities were and, and what your Colby A results were. And I know that for those that are listening, nobody knows what a 3393 is. But what really was deep down inside of me was the fact that you were tired, was the fact that you you you, you had every ability to do the job because the Colby doesn't say whether or not we can or can't do a job. It, it, it tells us um, it, it tells us how we're going to go about doing that job and the amount of, um, of, of joy and the amount of, of ease and, um, and all kinds of other different things. And so for me, what you said was I was tired every day when I went home. That's what I was thinking is, is that the 3393, um, oftentimes, you know, the, the energy level to go and do things that are related to operations are, is like oil and water sometimes. And there's just an energy thing. You just felt tired. And, and I would, I would guess it that I guess that that was true. So it's kind of interesting because my thought process when we were talking was, was that. 
you know, and it's funny you say that because, and this isn't to toot my own horn on it because I've just shared that I was frustrated and tired and wore out and all that stuff um, to that point. And then for many years later, I was the most successful person that that company had at that position. I accomplished mm. more. We had better results. Mm. We so and all of those facets, absolutely. The numbers show we grew. We were, you know, increasing profits, streamlining process. Like it was all. It all looked good. But you're exactly right. It was. Mm-hmm. By the time I get home, I just go to sleep and wake up and wait for the next day. I was whooped. So that's where you. That's where we got to with it. So. Tell us, you know, I want to take the the audience on a little bit of a journey because we're talking about mine a little bit there. But I know that you've had some huge successes and huge breakthroughs of looking at the the Colby's and also how it connects to the financial world of the business and all of that stuff. Can you maybe share an example or two of some really amazing results that you've gotten? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think maybe you know it might it might be best for me just to quickly if i can just give a you know a 60 90 second overview of what colby is is, is that cool guys just so that those that are out there that don't know it. what it is they can understand a little bit more of what we're talking about it cool so the colby index as i said measures uh, natural instincts of an individual it's an individual index it's it's uh, there's lots of team applications that you can use and hiring applications um, and and essentially what it does is, is, it, is it measures the conative part of the mind. I don't want to get into the weeds, but the conative part of the mind is really where our instincts lie. Those instincts don't change over time. The statistics show that when somebody takes a Colby A index and they take it again later on in life, um, in the upper 90s, I think it's 97 or 98% of the time, those results don't change over time. So it's reliable and it's predictable and we can count on it. When someone takes the Colby A index, they they are um, they, they they have four numerical numbers that come out of that effort. Uh, the index is easy to take online, ten or 15, 20 minutes at the best, and uh, and and it it identifies um, whoever that person is, uh, their need for facts, which is fact finder. Do they need information? Do they not need information? Do they need to be strategic with details or very simplified with details? It identifies um, their follow through, which is the second action mode, whether or not they want to be very systematized, which is uh, very organized and follow a schedule, or do they want to be very adaptable, which means they can go with the flow. The third one is quick start. Third action mode is quick start. Quick start um, really kind of is is your gut check, making decisions with your gut. Those with um, a higher number in quick start, they're very innovative. They make decisions with their gut. Uh, they, they their best work is at the last minute. Um, and and the the polar opposite of that would be is is stable, non risk, um, very risk adverse, um, not wanting to rock the boat. The fourth is implementer, which is our desire and ability to do things individually with our hands. Kathy Colby, who created the Colby Index, talks about haptics, using your hands and your fingers to do things. Um, those that are uh, seven or higher in implementer, they, they physically want to do the work. Quality is a very high tenant to them. They're very interested in a very high quality product and will oftentimes want to make it to be perfect and perfect in their eyes. But the opposite of that would be um, being able to be very visionary, be able to envision that a result can be done without actually doing it themselves. So 
when we have fact finder follow through quick start and implementer and those and the the results to the colby a index come through it gives us a very clear um, picture and roadmap if you will about the way that um, an individual will communicate solve problems work through adversity accomplish tasks and things like that um, so that gives you kind of a, a quick little review of what Colby is. Um, Colby, what Colby is, and it doesn't tell what somebody's personality is, whether they're an introvert or extrovert. Doesn't tell um, how much education they've got or certifications, or if they've taken a class or they have this college degree. It really gets down into the core of the way that we're hardwired and the way that we would prefer to go about accomplishing tasks on a regular basis. Um, one of the things that I found you you brought up, Jeremy, about um, you know financial connections. One piece of our consulting business is really to do a deep dive, not only culturally, as I mentioned earlier, on the company, and then also the individuals within that company from a Colby standpoint. But we also love to marry financial performance within the people. Um, it's 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 pretty well known that if you've got a great product. Um, and you've got great processes behind that product, and you've got great people behind that product, then the reality is, is what we get to is, is, is profit. And I think that a lot of small business owners, especially those that are in, in, in my purview, the ones that I'm working with every single day, they wake up every single morning, boots to the ground, they work their tail off, they go out, they put in massive amounts of hours, uh, they make all the right decisions, they're really focused on their trade, but they really have no clue whether or not they, they truly made a profit. And if they did make a profit, they have no idea the way that they made that profit or the numbers or the metrics behind that. So one of the things that we try to do in marrying all of those things that I just said is, is figuring out the people um, as a group and culturally, the people individually who are delivering that, but then also add on a financial context to confirm and affirm that the company is going to make the maximum profit available so that there's a return on investment in terms of reduction of debt if there is some or um, or you know distributions to the owners or bonuses to employees or whatever that might look like very good very good so um, and I love you know I know we, you we've worked together with a couple of different clients and you have taken those two worlds and and put them together the human behavior the human element. And aligning it so that it's as frictionless as possible going through and, mm -hmm. and creating more profit. So I like to a lot of times share with people that Colby is how you naturally do. You know, I'm saying that a little bit uh, less sophisticated. But I would say if we were all locked in a room, it's how we would figure out how to get out of here. You know, the fact finder is going to research it. I like that analogy. It. That's cool. Fact finder is going to research it, see what we need to do, what do we know, what, you know, and analyze all that stuff. Follow through is going to dig out. Is there a known process for getting out of a room? Quick start is going to kick the window out uh, <laughs> or something of, of the sort. They're going to start brainstorming with everybody. They're going to start talking a lot. And the implementer is going to go start trying and working and trying to pick the lock and do that kind of thing. And that's just how they naturally do it. Absolutely. I know you shared a little bit of the, the, the teaching of it, and I appreciate that. As we look at this from our audience standpoint, what are some of the things that they could expect on this journey that would help them know if they are actually tracking and getting these right people in line? Like what, what's some of the results they see by going through this Colby exercise? I think it's going to really, the, 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 the number one takeaway that I have when I walk someone through the Colby piece of what we've been talking about 
is just a realization to put that team member who likely has been loyal and committed and has integrity and has knowledge and has done a great job. And, and that's, that's usually what I stumble across is that it's a, it's a great employee, but it really enlightens their opportunity to do things their most natural way. It gives them permission, if you will, to recognize the way that they're naturally wired. And it takes their work product, whatever it is, because Colby doesn't tell us what we can and can't do. And that's a common misconception that people think that, oh, we can take this index and it's going to tell me if I can do this job. No, just like you, you could have done your job, Jeremy, in you know your previous life, but it just, it cost you that energy piece. And so now I have to imagine as, as you've gone through, you know, some awesome transition that, that now you, you have a, a higher sense of energy about your work product every single day. And that's really what we like to do with these team members. It, it, it usually is an, an, an adjustment as to their understanding. I always say when I walk a team through the Colby results, one of the things that I say on the front end, well, I say a lot, but one of the things I say on the front end is that, you know, step one of this process is, is knowing you is knowing the way that you're wired. Step two of this process is knowing the way that your coworkers are wired. And then step three of this process is really understanding the way the company is going to use it for the greater good of the team members, the company, the clients, and whatever performance metrics they're operating from. So I, I really love to unlock that in the individual person first, because that's what happened with me. That's my story from late 2005 into early 2006 when I became Colby certified, because I have been Colby certified since early 2006. It's, it's part of being able to issue indexes, interpret indexes, work with businesses. I'm fortunate enough to have that certification and, and have worked alongside businesses for, like I said, the almost 15 years. And, and so w- when, when that happens, when you unlock that, it creates a lot of energy. It, it's almost like the thing that I say about my own story is that I feel like I go to work every single day and I don't feel like I'm going to work. Um, at the end of the day, right now, all of us are working, we're, you know, we're recording this podcast, we're delivering information down to your audience, but we're working, but we're having fun doing it. And it requires zero effort on our parts, or at least on my part, because I've closely aligned my life, my business, um, with what my Colby A results are. And that's taken a long time for me to understand it. And my goodness gracious, I am certified in it. I work in it every single day. There's not a day that goes by of my life that I don't talk about Colby. So I think unlocking that knowledge and that understanding the way the person is hardwired is the first step. And usually it has monumental impact on the organization because that flows into coworkers and that flows into the greater team and the direction that the business is going all together. I agree with you on that. Go for it, Ryan. I was just going to say, Jason, I got a, I got a couple of questions for you, actually. So I'm a huge fan of Colby, uh, and I, I love it. Um, it was great that my wife got to take it as well. And um, so we got to learn a little mm-hmm. bit more about each other. But one of the things that I tell my clients, so when we're setting up their recruiting systems and we're working on helping them attract the right people, and I, and I emphasize right people because that's what everybody wants, right? They want the right people on their team. I find that assessments like Colby, uh, we use one called ProScan, which goes into a little bit more of the why, are they dominant, introverted, extroverted, those kinds of things. One of the things that I find is it helps us create better teams. Not just because we know each other's 
MO, you know, or because we understand each other's behaviors better, but it helps us better understand how to communicate with the team members. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you guys, we're all quick starts here on the call. I think we're all nines, right? We so, are all nines. That's correct. As, as quick starts, like, let's just get it done. <laughs> Let's get it figured out. I tell my wife all right. the time, I say, I say, here's the deal. She'll come up to me and she'll go, so I want to tell you about, you know, this thing that happened today. And I'll, I'll ask her, I'll say, okay, you just got to tell me how it ended. So I know how to listen. Like, just tell me the mm -hmm. end first, then I can listen to the story. And it drives her nuts because she's a two quick start. Um, seven fact finder. Mm -hmm. She just loves telling me all the details, which drives me nuts. And so just that little piece of knowing between me and my wife or between a manager and a frontline employee, just knowing how they're going to receive the information I found can be really profound mm -hmm. when we're looking for the right people and we're building really productive teams. So my question I, I for you, I, I couldn't agree more. So here's my question. So if we got someone listening to this going, you know what? I am tired of hiring the wrong people. I am tired of building teams that seem to always be full of drama and they don't like talking to each other and like things just aren't working out. What are some real practical things? Like, I get it. Start assessing everybody with Colby is a real easy one. But what are some things to do before we get there that could really help out our listeners in being able to create that a little bit more effective communication and some team building stuff. I, I think, Ryan, number one, Brian, I think it's awesome that you and your wife have both taken the Colby A. It's the number one question that I have when I work with the business. Hey, can my, can my wife take it? Can my kids take it? So that, that's <laughs> great. I love the fact that you did that. Um, that so b before we get to indexes, the number one thing that I think is the most powerful conversation that any owner or leader or manager can have with their team is to give them permission. I think that we live somewhat in a world, mostly brought on by corporate America, I think, where, where some team members are hesitant to put their own stamp on their business product. They kind of want to be told what to do. And so one of the things that we really encourage from day one, even that very first day when a new team member walks in the door, that new hire, is to give them permission to ask questions, to, if they don't understand something, to, uh, to, to probe into it, to offer suggestions, to give refinement if they see a process or something that doesn't look right, to bring in their previous work experience into that company and to make their mark. And for whatever reason, I see a lot of team members being um, a little bit timid about that, kind of like, oh, I want to just come in and I want to integrate into this company and I want to do a really good job, when the biggest impact that they could possibly make is actually to 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 um, to ask questions, to probe, to say that they don't quite understand everything, and to really be given um, uh, open permission to ask those questions. I love the word permission because I think that it grants a lot of cohesiveness in the in the business um, day one. The other thing that we recommend is is a lot of business owners um, and managers. I mean, as I said earlier, their boots on the ground, they're working their tail off, they're hiring that person. They just kind of have an expectation that that new team member is going to walk in and, and just do. And <laughs> there needs to be a proper onboarding. 
Um, there needs to be a proper onboarding. There's so many errors that are made where new employee, new team member walks in the door at you know uh, at eight o'clock on a Monday morning for that first day, and they're just expected to go sit at a desk, turn on the computer, and figure things out. <laughs> and so, one of the things that we super encourage our clients to do is to set that. A new team member up to shadow uh, different positions, have them learn what's going on in the business, have them understand what it is, give them that permission that I just mentioned, and not just throw them into the wolves and expect them to have greatness because there is a higher chance that they will not succeed. And that has nothing to do with them, by the way, that has everything to do with the organization. Um, and so we try to cut that, you know, chomp that down, have them integrate into culture. We encourage our um, our clients to send a you know send a note or a dinner home on that first day to the family saying, hey, we're so excited to have your dad or your mom or your brother or whatever working for us. It just really locks in when that team member feels they're culturally connected to the business. And then when you set them up for success from day one, it could be the difference between a great hire and a horrible hire. And that has nothing to do with the hire itself. I couldn't agree more. Uh, when you were talking, it got me reminded of reality TV. Take a whole bunch of strangers, share nothing about them with each other, <laughs> lock them in a house together and wait for the drama to unfold. And I see employers do that all the time with new team members. And it just, and then they're surprised, like, oh, they interviewed so well, or I connected with them so well, and mm. now they're not performing. Well, it's because you told them to go work on that six weeks, that pile of work that's been there for six weeks because the last guy quit. <laughs> and they're like, see that right. pile in the corner? All those boxes stacked up? Yeah, I know it's a little precarious, but we knew you were coming and we're so excited to have you here on our team. Go over there and get to work. By the way, don't let those boxes fall on you because your insurance hasn't kicked in yet. Like, that's the right. conversation. And then they're surprised when it doesn't work. I spent a lot of time talking about onboarding and how critical it is that you work on assimilating the people into your culture, exposing them to the ins and outs of your culture before you start holding them accountable to the work. And that just helps people totally so much. Agree. You know, one of the life's Absolutely. most stressful events is switching jobs. And employers forget that. It's so important to realize that this is one of life's most stressful events. It's right behind divorce, death of a loved one, relocation. Like it's on that list. You know, really spend some time getting to know them and getting them to be part of the team. So one, of the one other, other question I have when it comes to these assessments is I, I talk to a lot of people that are familiar with DISC is usually the one that comes up, right? We've all heard of DISC. And we all know mm -hmm. that there's usually a fee per employee associated with them. And I get it. Our people are, worth, people are definitely worth investing in that are on our team. But one of the things that I see happen a lot is they take the test, they get their scores, and they're like, hey, I'm a 3296. And then that's it. And nothing ever happens with it again. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that you can use Colby and some of the other assessments to really figure out how to engage with your team and how to get your people to be highly productive. Assessments aside, what are some things that people could do to get their team re-engaged, to reconnect with their team, to get them excited, 
and, and I know assessing them with Colby is a great start, but what are some other things that you've seen work? You know, it's so interesting that you'd ask that question because th- there are, I, I think I've used the word culture a lot as we have been, uh, as we've been chatting. And I think that it's really an investment in culture. And there's a whole litany of things that business owners can do that really don't cost much or the, the, um, the financial investment is, is, is really low. And I, I think that um, as you were talking, the, the thing that I was reminded of is that business owners that I work with, they want to talk a lot about client acquisition and, and their advertising and marketing and what they're doing in digital and what they're not doing in digital and what they're doing in print and postcards and all kinds of different things to acquire their clients. They're spending a lot of time and a lot of ingenuity and a lot of dollars and a lot of bandwidth creating marketing plans to acquire clients. But they are not spending the same ingenuity, time, bandwidth, dollars on culture and their employees and hiring the right people and making sure that they are building a dream team. And there's a lot of great products out there that don't get executed properly because they don't have a great team to execute it. And so that would be my my first foundational element is that sometimes one of the things that I've encouraged business owners to do is to flip it upside down and say, if you build a great product and you build a great team behind that product, the clients are going to come. But I found that business owners spend so much time on client acquisition, they spend a lot less time and dollars on employee acquisition as well as employee retention, which to me equals culture. So that would be my my foundation that I want to set for you on that on that question for my for my experience. Some things that you can do that that cost very little money is since I work with in a very similar, um, you know, a lot of service industry companies, a lot of people that are boots on the ground, they have field positions, they also have administrative positions. One of the things that I really encourage is when a team member does something really awesome, um, let's say a client gives a compliment or they come up with a new process that, you know, that helps the company and makes the company run smoother or even more profitably. One of the best things that you can do is to have that owner or manager handwrite a note, a card, a piece of paper um, to the family, to to whoever's at home and say, we just wanted to let you know that your dad came up with a really awesome idea at work. Um, employees are happy. Your clients are happier. We're so grateful that your dad or your husband or whoever it is relationally, you know, works for our company and then have people sign that card, sign that note. It costs a stamp and a little bit of time. But what happens? That card arrives in the mail. Oftentimes, someone at the home might either see it, they might open it, they might read it. And then that piece of culture builder might make it up onto the refrigerator or might make it up onto um, a board in the kitchen or whatever it is. But you're taking something that your team member is doing and you're making it connected back to their family. I think that's a powerful thing to do. And it costs nothing, just about a little bit of time. Um, other things that that, pe- that clients are, are doing that I think is really cool is, um, is they are, um, I, I have a lot of clients, it's called the fridge. Um, and the fridge uh, is, is the idea where you have a refrigerator, if you've got a warehouse, or you've got like a labor pool that comes in and does the work every single day, that you, you stock that fridge full of waters and Gatorades and, um, and, and snacks. And you, you go to, you know, a, a big box retailer like a Costco or a Sam's Club or a Walmart or whatnot, and you, you buy snacks that 
but you know, fruit and whatnot, and you load it full in that refrigerator, you create a budget for it, you, you redo it every Wednesday or every other Wednesday. And that allows um, that, that, that field personnel who might, they might be a little bit more financially challenged or living paycheck to paycheck for them to grab an apple out of the refrigerator, grab a bottle of water that's not on their dime. Small investment to build up great culture celebrate birthdays, celebrate anniversaries, um, have regular um, barbecues or cookouts or celebrations um, to, to be able to, uh, to, to say thank you to employees and just not make it all be about the work product, but make it be about the team in and of itself. Everything that I just told you doesn't cost a lot of money. It requires a little bit of planning, and the results are absolutely huge in the impact equity area. None of that is assessment. None of that requires a lot of time, effort, energy, and money. It just requires ingenuity to come up with the ideas that your team will really appreciate. Because what we want them to do is to talk about how great their job is, talk about how great of a boss they have, talk about how great of a company is they work for, talk about how their satisfaction of their job is paramount. And then all the other things will likely fall into line. I think that's great. There's there's so much in there. And I think for me, the one thing that it comes down to is just intentionality. Like It's great to talk yep. about these things. It's great to brainstorm these things. But if you're not intentional about actually making them happen and doing it consistently, you're not going to get the results you're looking for. And the other piece that I really loved is how you get the family involved. So many studies come out showing that the family has more of an impact over that employee's decision on whether to stay or go to another employer than the employee itself does. And so getting the family involved, I could just see it where dad had a rough day and the kids are like, yeah, but you're doing such a great job there, dad. I mean, look at all the cool things you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he's like, all right, it was just a rough day. So some great <laughs> right. wisdom in that. I, I love the the examples you gave. Thank you so much, uh, Jason. How do, let's say people want to know more about Colby. They want to know more about this. How do people get a hold of you? Um, the best way is, uh, is to find me online. I'm Jason Cup on every major medium, J-A-S-O-N-C-U-P-P. -P. That's also my website, jasoncup.com. Um, email jason at jasoncup.com. Pretty easy to find me out there. I, I will say, that I would love to talk to anybody about Colby, but but one of the main things that I I, I want to like encourage listeners is and Ryan, you kind of mentioned it. You you take an index, whether that's the Colby index or the disc or Myers Briggs or all these ones that are out there. Although the Colby kind of peels itself off in natural instincts, it doesn't measure personality like some of the other ones do. Um, but but whether it's me or or one of my colleagues, please 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 have somebody who is trained and certified. Uh, to interpret those results. I believe the Colby A index, and Jeremy, you, you might agree or, um, with me on this, is that the Colby A index really needs to be interpreted by someone who is, is certified to do so and knows the language and understands it. Um, it's probably not for self-interpretation. That would be the thing is that if people want to reach out, um, I'd be happy to have that discussion with them. I definitely would have seconded that with you, Jason. It's It looks so simple, but when you start talking about um, how you react to those because people start saying, well, I need facts. I mean, that's what I, my first reaction was. And I do, it just talks about, okay, how am I going to use them? And it gets a little bit more in depth and you start understanding the differences. Quite honestly, after doing that, I became a better mm -hmm. leader. Because I remember telling Katie, uh, my assistant, 
that she's a seven fact finder um, and I'm a three, like, look, we need to understand this difference here. And it's not a matter of desire. It's a matter of do like you need that. I need this, Mm -hmm. but you don't get that without under, without having that hour with somebody that really understands it. So Jason, it's been a pleasure. It's been a joy having you on. Um, I believe that it's been a great, great one here. And so thank you so much for it. Everybody reach out there. I definitely would agree would encourage you to go take your Colby, reach out to Jason, have him walk through that. It's wonderful thing. So thank you, Jason, so much. You're very, very welcome. Thanks guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by bluecollarculture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to bluecollarculture.com.